Did you know Shopify doesn't allow more than 100 combinations of options on a product? Fortunately, there's a solution. Bold Product Options app, the number one options app on Shopify with more positive reviews than any other. And it allows you to create as many options on products as you want in every type you can imagine. File uploads, text fields, text areas, radio buttons, checkboxes, color swatches, date pickers, and a couple others I forgot. And it's a huge time saver because when you create your options, you can apply them to one product or an entire store, or an entire collection, or a particular product type, or any group of products you want with a single click, and you could save that option set to apply to any new products you add that need it. Now imagine trying to add gift wrapping option to every product in your store. Normally it would be a nightmare. With the Bold Options app, it's one click. It can even adjust prices, or those options can actually be products too. So for example, an option could be add the matching hat or add a protective case. And then when your customers select it, it actually adds the product in the checkout. It's a total power move to sell bundles, and it doesn't even feel like it to the customer. Now there's nothing worse than looking at a whole bunch of fields when you're buying a product. It scares customers away. They may not even need to be filled out. So product options adds conditional logic. It's this tool that lets you show or hide options based off what customers pick. For example, if you select custom engraving, then we only want to show the custom engraving text field after they've checked that, and so on. Now, if you need sophisticated options, or just more than the standard 100 variant limit, this is the app you need. You can get started today with a 60-day free trial by going to ethercycle.com bold. That's ethercycle.com bold. What's the number one customer support request you get? I bet it's, hey, where's my order? My friends at Ventov, makers of SEO Meta Manager, have a solution for this. It's called Order Lookup, and it lets customers look up their orders, right, good name, with either their email or order number, reducing the order inquiries you get in your inbox. We use it on our own high-volume Shopify Plus client stores like Hoonigan and Yvonne Stells to provide real-time order info to customers with a fully customizable order lookup page so you can keep that thing on brand. And hey, if you're a dropshipper, it even works with ePacket. You can get a seven-day free trial when you search Order Lookup in the App Store. Did I tell you about how our seven-year-old punked us? How did he punk you? My nine-year-old came upstairs from the basement. My wife's upstairs sick, and I'm alone in the kitchen. A nine-year-old comes upstairs from the basement where they've got their, like, video games and stuff. And he goes, something scary happened. I said, what? As I was in Roblox, I'm like, okay, here we go. I don't care about video games. So I was in Roblox. Guy walks up to me and says, I know where you live. And then he got it right. And I was like, oh, my God, what did he say? And Silas goes... He said, North Pine Creek Trail. That's, that's the street we live on. I immediately, I was like, we got to go tell your mom. So she's upstairs passed out with, with norovirus. So we go in the bedroom. She gets up. She's groggy. And I said, uh, Silas, tell her what you told me. He tells her. And immediately she's like, oh, my God. So we're Yeah, like, that's scary as shit. Yeah. So, like, we're talking about it, We're freaking out about it. But we're trying to, like, work through it calmly. Like, was this one of your friends? Can you talk to friends? Like, I don't know anything about Roblox. And the seven-year-old... Tanner walks into the room and my wife watches as he slowly backs out of the room and we're like, hey, did you hear what happened? And he just nods and leaves. And immediately she's suspicious. And so we're, we're talking 
and he comes back. And as soon as he comes back in the room, she's like, yeah, I think we're going to have to call the police and report this. I was like, I don't know if we should go that far. She's like, no, we're not messing with so he comes over and he's like, uh, I have to tell you something, but you have to promise I can't get in trouble. <laughs> Which is always a good sign. <laughs> yeah. Like with that setup. That's the best kid lo- kid logic ever. You promised. Oh, but you promised. So he said, she goes, all right, just tell me. And she, he goes, uh, I prank Silas. And then he looked like he was waiting to see if he was going to be murdered. And fortunately, I was relieved and amused because he's a little brother, like he, it's great when he gets one over on his older brother. I laughed so hard, and like the look of relief on this kid's face that he was not about to get grounded for the rest of his life and like go to jail. <laughs> that's great. That's a scary prank though, because yeah. if that really happened, that's terrifying. Yeah, and he was like egging him on too beforehand. He's like, uh, so, uh, what they say, Silas? Uh, are you scared? <laughs> And he's like, yep, yeah, scared. <laughs> this guy knows where I live. Some guy's coming to kill me. So, but then we also had to be like, okay, you can't, you can't do that again. Like, pranks like that could, could go very wrong very quickly. So if you want to prank, prank your brother, like, maybe just run it past one of us first. Uh, well, how about yourself? Uh, let me tell you about this movie I watched last night. All right, let's hear it. All right, it's about this blonde-haired guy who is an undercover cop. And he goes undercover, and there's, like, these cool car thief guys who are stealing stuff. What year is this movie for? I'm not telling you anything yet. Oh, boy. Okay. Here's and the setup. he hangs out, and he becomes friends with the head guy of the gang of car thieves. He's hanging out at their garage. Car thief guy's got a sister, and he, like, falls in love with the sister, and he gets, like, in too deep, and, like, they're friends with each other, and maybe the car- head of the car thief ring is not... That bad a guy after all, and they're all cool buddies. <laughs> What's the name of that movie? What? Uh, I don't like Fast and the Furious. No, that would be the Charlie 1987 Charlie Sheen movie, No Way Out. No Man's Land, I'm sorry. So recently uh, we subscribed to Stars, and if you get the Stars app, I've got this on the Apple TV, it has the best movie library on there. Like, we haven't had much to watch. We're in a TV drought. So my wife and I have been watching just the worst 80s movies that we thought were greatest kids. Like, we just watched Bird on a Wire. That movie's terrible. Why You thought Bird, like, why were you into, like, a Charlie Sheen, not a, a Goldie Hawn Mel Gibson movie from, like, you thought that was good? Well, so we watched Death Becomes Her. and as a That kid, holds up, I think. As kids, we loved it. It holds up. It's fabulous. Yeah. Uh, Adam's Family is another good example of that. Well, Adam's Family's genius. But that's, like, one of our favorite movies. It, it's funny you should mention that because I found this website where... You can click off what services you have access to, and then so it just, you're like Hulu, Netflix, yeah, Hulu, whatever, Netflix, HBO stars. Go, Tubi, and then it like then it shows you all the movies on there, and then you can narrow down by genre, years, IMDb rating, like all this other stuff. And I have also been constantly on the search for '80s movies because I like watching '80s movies on streaming because they're like all under two hours. Yeah, they are just like actual physical movies that were kind of made for adults and not 14-year-old boys. They're not, you know, two-and-a-half-hour CGI tentpole five-sector quip fests. I'm so sick of that stuff. It's like that's the only movies that are made now. It's like, here's a movie. It's, you know, 105 minutes, some stuff happens, and then the movie's over. It's not the fourth movie in a series. You ever you ever see Cliffhanger with Sylvester Stallone Cliffhanger? and John Lithgow? Yes. Of course I've seen Cliffhanger. Yeah, that's, that's a great example of this genre you're going for. Though I, I think that's 90s. 
the way that movie ends is they sit like the villain is killed. Immediately, a rescue helicopter appears, and then the credits roll. Oh yeah, the that's t- it. The time to credits. I come. I remember talking to you about this. The time to credits on Cliffhanger is the fastest I've ever seen. Where it's like John Lithgow gets crushed by the helicopter, and the credits are rolling 15 seconds after that happens. And yeah, like no- to the point where it. When I, I rewatched that movie, it was startling. I was like, is this some edit? What am I seeing here? And I think No Man's Land might actually beat it because he's in a shootout with Charlie Sheen when he tries to take him in and he kills Charlie Sheen. And like Charlie Sheen dies. He like looks real sad. D.B. Sweeney is the cop. He looks real sad. And then uh, credits. Like after like five seconds after Charlie Sheen gets shot, credits, movie's over. I like that at that time there was no need to like explain what happens, what the consequences were. It's just like, all right, there was a bad guy. Or a problem, it's gone now. That's the end of that. But yeah, it's literally the exact plot of the Fast and the Furious, <laughs> written by a pre pre Law and Order Dick Wolf. He sold the screenplay before he made Law and Order, and uh, they steal Porsches. So if you're really into '80s Porsches, you will love this movie. Uh, '80s Porsches are the hottest thing right now. Also, if you pay close attention, Brad Pitt's in it. It's the first thing he's in. He's like an extra as a waiter, and he has a mullet. Anyway, watch No Way Out. Not No Way Out. I keep calling it No Way Out. That's a different 80s movie. Watch No Man's Land. No Man's Land, 80s Charlie Sheen, very 80s. There's a ska band playing at the parties. Oh, boy. The poster's really good. It is a piece of crap. You'll enjoy it. <laughs> oh, I'm texting my wife right now. We got to watch <laughs> No Man's Land. <laughs> it's on Tubi. It's on Tubi. There we go. Send. <laughs> All right. So, in the Facebook group, someone asked an interesting question. And this question was, I have Facebook blocked on my computer at the moment. Uh, there's some guy was like, here's my store. My I score a 30 on Google PageSpeed Insights, and this is obviously bad, and I, we need to raise that um, score up higher. How and did that make you feel? It filled me with rage. But I'm going to blow up your spot here. You hate Google PageSpeed Insights more than I do. I do. I've seen you stomp around the office like Godzilla <laughs> when talking about store owners and Google PageSpeed Insights. So don't. I don't want you to take this pose of like I'm Kurt, the removed calm one in this I was conversation. Pragmatic, playing it cool. No, I want you, you blew to my f- cover. Fucking let loose because you hate PageSpeed Insights. Oh, okay, fine. Yes, I hate Google PageSpeed Insights. <laughs> I hate it because it's like here's a series of largely arbitrary benchmarks that we blindly apply identically to literally every kind of website. Because in this universe, mom's WordPress blog with her recipes should be graded on exactly the same benchmarks as Amazon's site, right? Like, that premise alone is idiotic. And then, on top of it, like, ignoring all these other criteria, it has the audacity to assign a letter grade like you're in school. So literally, you're a business owner, and you're trying to do everything right, and then you've got some like random Google engineer who's got some pet project that's going to get abandoned in six months because that's how Google works is going to say, hey, you know all that work? You get an F. You <laughs> fail. <laughs> and then they've got this, uh, this calculator that I'm sure this is like, in what universe is this statistically significant? It goes, input your average order value and we'll calculate like how much more money you're going to make when your site's faster. Yeah. They, what is your problem? Yeah, they take like that stat. I don't know what the exact stat is, but it's like every second of page load time decreases, you know, 10% of your customers disappear or whatever it is. That was, it was like a case study from Amazon 
I know if Nick they probably D, just published that themselves. I don't know if Nick D hears this, he's going to yell at us because he cites that. Uh, but yeah, so they're like, all right, well, then give us the average number of users and your conversion rate and your average order value, and you plug all that in. They're like, well, if you get this to score a hundred, you'll make an extra five hundred thousand dollars this year. It's like, no, you won't. <laughs> like you just pulled that out of your ass. But yeah, yes, that's the problem. Is you've got this this tool that's applying the same met- metrics to 100% of websites, it's just not a realistic score. At the same time, of course websites should be fast, right? Like, di- no one is going to advocate for slow websites. But what is, the, like, the big the big outcome if I get this perfect page speed score? What is, like, the dream universe, what's supposed to happen? Everybody converts when they land at my site because they're like, wow, it loaded instantly. And then um, and they don't have time to reconsider this, I guess. I don't know. And um, supposedly there's some SEO benefit, but it's not like it's going to take you from the eighth page to the first page. Well, because that, yeah, that was the other thing. And the, there was another guy in that comment thread that was just like, but isn't it hurting my but SEO? But it's hurting my SEO. And it's like, yeah, it's like, yes, okay, Google has admitted that if it's essentially a tie in terms of your content, they will break the tie with Google PageSpeed score. But that literally, like, even Google is like, yes, a tiny sliver of results that will affect this. It's like, just stop it. Just stop worrying about this. For the love of God. This well, is that's, so stupid. And that's, like, that, that's part of why I get so worked up and upset about it is because I have been on the receiving end of countless emails from, uh, client, from merchants, clients, um, email subscribers who run their thing through they're like okay trust google i get that site should be fast they run their site through this thing and then it goes hey you get an f and here's like here's a literal list of everything that's wrong with your site that because you know we don't check what it's on the the suggestions aren't even practical or possible and then i get this panicked email that's like oh my god my site is failing well okay no it's not it isn't it, don't listen to google uh yeah and that's my peeve about it like you have to deal with the store owners I am looking at the actual recommendations themselves, and most of them are literally not possible. Yeah. In fact, let's run down some of the things that are not possible. Ooh, I made a list. Uh, one, uh, so I ran Tactical Baby Gear through it because Tactical Baby Gear is my baby, and it scores a 20, so clearly Beave is failing. They make no money. It's doing terrible because TBG only scores Is that scores for desktop a- or mobile? Because it splits them out. Uh, it's the mobile. It's the worst one. Yeah. Yeah. Mobile always seems to do worse. And mobile always do, does worse because there's more fiddly bits they declare. But one of them is, uh, leverage the font display CSS feature to ensure text is user visible while web fonts are loading. Are you speaking English? I don't know. So apparently when it's loading a font, sometimes the font isn't fully loaded and the text doesn't appear. I don't know. Here's the thing. Font display is not supported by Google fonts. So if you are using Google's fonts, you can't get a good score on Google PageSpeed Insights. Thanks, guys. (laughs) Secondly, avoid enormous network payloads. You know what the biggest payload on that uh, site is? It's the base.js loaded by Google's YouTube service. It's YouTube. Yeah, YouTube. So avoid enormous network payloads by not using our video service. Yeah, then YouTube hands it to you. And really, like, think about what's a fundamentally silly, what makes that a silly suggestion if, like, an actual human were looking at this is they're like, yeah, YouTube JavaScript's the biggest thing on your site. But guess what? YouTube JavaScript is cached on every device that's ever been connected to the internet. Yeah, if if a person has has looked at YouTube, they have the YouTube JS loaded on their machine. Yeah. It's already there. Uh, Another one. Serve images in next-gen file formats, such as JPEG 2000 or JPEG JPEG XR. 
JPEG 2000 and JPEG XR are not supported by Google's Chrome browser. <laughs> so again, you can use those to get the good PageSpeed Insight score. People in Chrome won't be able to see that in most browsers. It's like, it's just something that some guy pulled out of his ass. Yeah, like at no point do we ever question, what is the source here? How did we come up with these recommendations? How do they apply to the scoring engine? We just go, well, Google said so. I think it's just, I think it's like one guy's pet project, honestly. You know, another one of the next-gen image formats is WebP. WebP, really good. Probably one-third, it's two-thirds to one-half the size of the JPEG version. Real nice. Uh, nothing supports WebP in terms of encoding. You Photoshop doesn't support it. You need, like, a plug-in. Uh, it's not supported in mobile Safari, so the number one mobile browser that would leverage smaller image sizes doesn't use it. It's like it has no... PageSpeed Insights has no sops to what actual reality is like. Yes. And then, like, reading it, it sounds like gobbledygook if you're not incredibly, like, not just a web developer, but fully fluent in, like, cutting-edge server technologies and web protocols. Uh, like, you're getting into real networking stuff and server admin stuff. So it's incredibly technical. The one that always drives me nuts is I think it, it dings Shopify stores because they use a CDN. But it's in like in practice, a CDN would speed things up for a global audience. A CDN is a content delivery network, by the way. Yes. So it's like uh, there's a series of servers all around the world, and the closest closest server to your computer is the thing sending you the file. Yeah. And the Google Google PageSpeed Insights gives you a negative score for using a CDN because it's like got to go ping a different server than the one you're hitting for the site. I don't even know. That doesn't like it. Uh, another but it's one. just like that's not. In no universe could you make that stop. Yeah. If you have a Shopify store, it's on a CDN, and that's a good thing. That's the other thing. It's almost, it's, I think it's probably impossible for a Shopify store to score 100 because Shopify does a bunch of practices that Google PageSpeed Insights just declares is like, oh, no, you lose points for that. If you write the theme to specifically, not to work or run well or who cares, or make just money. to score well on Google PageSpeed Insights, I've heard people claim they can they could do this. My, you know you know who sites got 100 on PageSpeed Insights? PaulReader.com. PaulReader.com. Do you know what PaulReader.com is? What? It's two P tags of text. What's a P tag? It's three P tags. It's three paragraphs. Yeah. It's three paragraphs it. of text on a white screen. I got 100. I'm doing good. It loads very quickly. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Uh, another. Uh, all right, last one of my, the ones I'm very mad about. Uh, properly sized images. And then they give you the time you'll save by doing this. So it says I could save 2.3 seconds. If I resize these images, and the images are the 50 by 50 color swatches on the product pages, uh, and it says that they're, it, it, they should be 50 by 46, because that's what they actually display at. So I should cut those four pixels off, saving me about, I don't know, two bytes of data, and uh, yeah, that'll save 2.37 seconds, which, you know, then when I multiply it by my average order value, I'm going to make thousands of dollars this year, because I resized four images. All right, we have thoroughly slain the boogeyman that is Google PageSpeed Insights <laughs> and declared ourselves, so declared ourselves true webmasters. That's uh, true, though. The, what do we do next? Like, we can, the, only, the thing we agree on that Google PageSpeed Insights and I agree on is websites should be fast. I just get angry at this arbitrary scoring system they use. So what do you do instead how do you go about it? What's a better tool, better way, better method? I just want my site to not be slow. Uh, every main desktop browser has 
a window that you can access called like developer tools. And you got to find it in the edit screen. It's different for everyone. Just Google developer tools, whatever browser you like to use. The developer tools window will have a tab on it called network. You open up the network tab, you do a force refresh load of your page, and that network tab will just populate itself with every single thing it has to load in order that in order to make that page appear. Sort the network tab by total data transferred, see what the biggest files are. At the bottom of the network tab, it'll have like, here was the page size of what it had to load. Here was how many seconds it took to load. Look at that. There's actual real world data of how big your site is. I like to, that system works. It's quick. Uh, it's free. It works on it, every desktop computer. And it takes into account your own bandwidth speed. So you can see like, okay, this is exactly real world load time. The one I really like for the easy breakdown is uh, Pingdom Tools tools.pingdom.com and that one's free put in the url pick a location hit start test and then it'll um it's very similar to what you get in the browser but in a like a much friendlier format it's easier to read where it's like okay here's how long it took they also assign an arbitrary score but theirs is based on um it's based on a more realistic criteria and based on averages uh data that they gathered um and then it breaks down like, okay, here's the biggest stuff on your site. Here's how long it took to load. And um, here's like the percentage breakdown. So you can see like, okay, photos are 60% of my site. So I need to rethink that um, if I want to reduce it. So um, tools.pingdom.com, easy tool to figure out what's slowing you down. So yeah, and both those lists of files it's going to spit out at you are things you might not necessarily be familiar with. And you would probably need to get someone who has like, experience in doing this to be able to read the tea leaves and see what's the real problem is and whether you even actually have a problem. Uh, like if your Shopify store homepage, like if you're getting into double digits on that page load, if it's like 10 megs, if it's eight megs, it's like, okay, you could probably slim some stuff down, but you know, then again, you're probably running a thousand apps that are mainly going to be the problem. But once you're bumping into the double digits, like you got issues and you got to look into what the problem is there. Nine times out of ten, your biggest problems are going to be images you've loaded that are way too big for the slot they're in, in which case you got to resize the image. Images that are encoded in the wrong file format, so like product photos that are pings or different photos that are pings, which are lossless, much bigger file sizes, and tons of JavaScript files that are usually caused by all the apps you have loaded on your store. Uh, if you want a real quick win, use um, CrushPix. It's an app that will uh, automatically compress your product photos. So if you had screwed up your file formats, this will assist you in speeding the site up. But I wouldn't start with it. Like, start with just uploading the images correctly to begin with. If you want to get really fancy, there's a free tool called ImageOptim. So before you upload any photo, you save it to the correct size. Um, and then, and even if you don't know the correct size, like, you could, you could guess at it. Um, and then run it through ImageOptim. It's a free tool, loss, does lossless compression. It's very clever. And with pings, it could be um, as much as 50% uh, file decrease. In terms of sizing, that's almost more of a theme issue now. Like some themes are written badly and just take whatever size the user uploads. Uh, if you have a more advanced modern theme, like Turbo will do this especially, just give it the biggest image you can give it, and Turbo will resize the image. Now, Turbo won't change the file format, unfortunately, if you screwed that up, but all image resizing will be handled by Turbo. And there are instances where you would want to use a transparent ping as a product photo. 
So, uh, like, I would guess that's why no theme forces JPEGs. It would be a really prescriptive thing to do. Our theme forces JPEGs. <laughs> Again, <laughs> prescriptive, but it's fine. Uh, all right, I like that. I think the I think the the next smart thing to do is if you're if you're freaking out about Google PageSpeed Insights, try Pingdom Tools, but also try this. Take you like your favorite websites, your favorite competitors, the big Shopify stores you look look up to. Run those through Google PageSpeed Insights. See that they probably also get terrible, terrible scores, and yet still make tons of money, right? Um, like seeing that should should ease the panic. But I I think that score is arbitrary. Just as kids who got great test scores in school didn't necessarily go on to be super successful adults, I think this is the same thing. Like this. This score does not mean anything for your business. And it does not even necessarily mean that a website is fast. Correct. Hold up. We'll hear more after this quick break. Support for this podcast comes from Simpler, a new way to staff 24-7 sales and customer service on your Shopify store. It works with your existing email and chat tools, so setup is quick and easy. Simpler provides on-demand, US-based customer service specialists to answer your customers' most common questions. Close more sales with Simpler, by staffing your email and live chat with 24-7 Simpler specialists. Find out more at simpler.ai. That's S-I-M-P-L-R dot A-I. And now, back to the show. Hit me. All right, moving on, now that I've, I've wiped away the slobber I worked up in my, my rage. Rage spittle. It's rage spittle, yes. The, I've got a, a listener, listener, fan, reader question. Uh, Matt Brody, who is here uh, with his brother Beef Brody for the meetup, had uh, messaged me a couple weeks prior on Facebook, and said, at what point should a store move from Shopify Basic to regular Shopify and then to Advanced or Plus? And uh, I'll say a majority of stores we see are going to be on... It's rare to see, like, the Shopify Basic plan at $29 a month. You usually see the $79 a month Shopify plan or uh, Advanced at 300 bucks. And then for our clients, it's a lot of... Especially like clients in the last year, I mean, it's like 80% plus. All right. Well, can you run it back? I literally don't know the difference other than on plus you can modify the checkout. Okay. (laughs) We've got got somewhere (laughs) to go with this then. You're right. So, I mean, to answer his question directly, which is, how do you know? Well, it's like as as you run into limitations, as you feel them. So, like, Advanced Shopify adds... um, much more advanced analytics or like more reporting and analytics over basic over basic. So it's like when you get to the point where you're like, man, I wish, I wish I knew what this metric was. Okay. Then you'd know it's time to upgrade. Is, so ba- it's, is basic like crippled in any way? Uh, I'm loading up the Shopify pricing page. So I don't want to make any claims on it. All right. Yeah. So there's, there's four tiers, basic Shopify, at 29 a month, Shopify at 79 a month, advanced, at 300 and then Shopify Plus. So the first is they're going to limit you by staff accounts, which really staff accounts like how many users you can have in the store. The cheap ones, two, 79 bucks a month, it goes to five, which that's probably the right amount for most, most stores is five staff accounts. Um, and then advanced Shopify is 15. So like number of users staff is a really easy way to kind of gate plans by size of business. And then the next one you get is uh, gift cards. Like that's in the $29 a month plan, if like you want to offer gift cards, you don't have a choice. So it's like, okay, we hit a pain. You want to move to 79 at that point. Um, Different shipping rates? Yeah. It'll generate uh, professional reports in the $79 a month plan. 
you don't get carrier calculated third-party carrier calculated shipping rates until you jump to advanced to 300 bucks which you probably wouldn't want to start with carrier calculated shipping rates like i don't you just don't want to complicate things if you're starting out so it makes sense that it's on a later tier um but they also give you uh, a discount on shipping so you could buy labels usps ups dhl express and that discount goes down. I didn't know that. I'm looking at this for the first time. And then for Shopify payments, the processing rate drops each time. Each tier you go up, yeah. You, yeah. Pay, you pay less in credit card rates. Yeah, so it goes to one and half a point. Um, and then what you could do with point of sale changes. But I don't know jack about point of sale, other than the hardware changes every 90 days. <laughs> gets redesigned every two weeks. And... Looks better every time, and I'm always like, that's really cool. I wish I had a use for that. And then it goes out of my head because we don't – it's just not something we deal with. Um, so, yeah. So, so so far, our advice is if you want to do a thing that your current plan doesn't allow you to do, you got to upgrade plans. Well, I think it really it comes from a place of people – what they're looking for is like, all right, I don't want to have to mess with this. Just tell me, like, in a month, just tell me where to start. And so I'd say if you – you probably want the reporting, and a lot of people are going to want to offer gift cards, and it cuts the transaction rate in half from 2% to 1% if you just jump to the $79 a month plan. That's where I'd start. Um, my guess is on a bell curve, most active merchants are on advanced, like once they're you know 18 months in, and, um, and then you've got plus. Which yeah, it's like plus same is, deal. Plus is the big daddy and the enterprise version. Yeah, and if you, I mean, it could really supercharge your business if you know how to leverage it. If you have a plan. If you have a plan. If you're just like, I have a store that makes like five grand a month. It's sort of like, yeah, you got stuff. You got pr bigger problems than being on plus. Well, you like got faster wins. There's other stuff you do first. There, yeah, that's. I think that's the thing, and it also goes back to the page speed insights anger. Is that okay? Yeah, I guess maybe there's a point. Oh, one percent chance that increasing the score will help you, but there are way faster wins in your business that you need to handle first. And you know, so unless you're really like banging out significant, I would say at least five figure months, you're there's no need for you to be on plus yet. Yeah, you could do them since they give you the reduced processing rate. You could always backwards calculate it and figure yeah, like out the moment <laughs> the moment the revenue what the threshold is. But it's generally like, um, and I've, we've done it before, and I think most people switch to Plus a little before they're before they're at that point where like it's a no-brainer because it would pay for itself. Um, but when they have like, it's usually like a really cool sale somebody wants to do, or they've got some clever need, some yeah, some clever need to customize the checkout, and so they switch to Shopify Plus because they say like the two. You get access to a couple exclusive apps that have pretty powerful features. Launchpad, which is the coolest thing for automating sales. So it's like, your sale starts at midnight. Someone has to put up the, change the theme. All right. Well, normally you got to get up at midnight and change it. And um, Launchpad will uh, swap the themes for you and change product prices. And it's cool. And then uh, Script Editor, which if you don't know development, it's tough to explain. It's a scripting language. Yeah, but, it's, a, it's a way of offering different sort of sale types and discounts, like more complex sales and discounts than you would normally be able to do or you would have like an outside app that you would be using almost. It's sort of like, you know, you don't buy these three products and then get this fourth product for free. But it's almost like, always advanced discounts. They're like specific products. And you can do all your discounting without having to have coupon codes. Yeah. 
So if it's like buy two get you know buy two get one fifty percent off, and instead of you can set up uh, that as a discount, and they would there would be no coupon code involved. So oftentimes, like if you rely a lot on coupon codes and discounting, um, just dumping the coupon codes can increase conversions. Yeah, because one less thing people have to enter, especially yeah. on their phones. Yes, absolutely. And then the other time it makes like there's other features it adds to, um, but the other time that it makes total sense is. Um, if you've got multiple cologne stores, so if you had like stores for multiple languages or multiple currencies or like wholesale, they give you um, with a Shopify Plus account, you really get access to ten stores, but it's all got to be the same brand. It's not like I'm going to start, you know, company A, then company B, like and have ten separate stores. It's all got to be the same thing. Um, so that like certainly, if you're paying three hundred bucks a month on advanced and you start adding stores, well, very quickly, yeah, that adds up. You start to see the value in in plus. But yeah, uh, Scripps is very advanced. It's very powerful, though. Like it's so cool. We've set up a lot of Scripps sales using Scripps, and it just can super bur- boost conversion rates and average order value. It's really great. But you also need like you have I, to have a plan for like you have to have a plan for what you're going to be doing with the Scripps, and you need a guy that can write the Scripps for you. Sometimes it's like a weird technical back end issue. Like, all right, we've got product that's they're glass bottles and out of our 10,000 SKUs, we've got these three SKUs that can't ship via air because they're bottles they'll explode. It's real cl- a real example. All right, so using Shopify scripts, you could set up a thing where it's like if the product is tagged no air, then um we using a Shopify script when they hit shipping, we look for shipping rates that have air in the name and then hide them. And so it's like really clean, there's no way you know, they can unhide it and like abuse the system in some way. So you get like kind of those issues. Those, so it's more like as things get more complicated in your business. Uh, all right. So I think what the recap on that question is like look for pains or problems as you hit them. Start don't don't need to spend more than what you need. And then as you hit limitations, upgrade. And then the final question we have for today, this one's very quick, was how to set up your menu for conversion. Oh man, I've hammered on this so yeah, much. Yeah, you say it every week. Every week. All right, so here we go. Most people bury either you got the home link first. All right, don't do that. Yep. We don't need to do that. Yep. And then you've got one drop down that's a shop. Yep. And then there's just nested drop downs with all of your stuff jammed under that. Terms and conditions. And then it's that just should like be third. about blog, news, contact, <laughs> FAQ, wholesale, like everything gets jammed into the main menu. Go on enter any major shopping site. The main menu will always be exclusive to product categories and nothing else. No home link, no wholesale link, none of that. All that stuff goes into a secondary menu, a top menu, a footer menu, but it's not in the main menu. So lead with, um, like, break down your categories. Uh, ideally, use mega menu so you can make it visual. Sometimes avoid getting too granular with it. It might, you know, it would be better to have fewer collections and send people to a collection with 20 things in it than to have too many, too big a menu, but there's only like three things in each collection. Um, Jeez, 20 things. That's a that's a small collection. Yeah. I just like, it's once you start going down this road, and like I've even done this to myself, it's just easy to get way too granular with it. But I would arrange it, like you look at what your, your best sellers are. Uh, in Google Analytics, you could break down like collection, revenue by collection. Um, so if you're looking for like a data-driven way to decide, like, okay, what should be the, what order should these go in? What should the first thing be? That's a good way to do it. But I would also, if you've got some uh, a competitor, a brand in your space, um, in your same vertical that is big and like your customers are often already familiar with, well, you may want 
to look at that and use it as a, a starting point because it's not necessarily the best way, but it may be the way that your customers expect it to be. So that could be a good starting point and then use like heat maps and sometimes I'll just heat map it and look at, all right, what got clicked the most? All right, shouldn't that be the first thing? It could be it could be that easy. But anything's better than just jamming everything into the shop dropdown. You took a short answer and you made it very long. The answer <laughs> to the question is make your main menu entirely products in your store done. The answer is over. That seems, and I like that answer, and that seems obvious to me and you, but being that someone asked the question, I'm... After we said it 47 times. Uh, I'm just trying to, exp- I'm trying to think of like every angle to expand on it. Just, just trying to help a bro out, all right? That's all I got. Yeah, that was good. We did another one. Great job, us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mo podcast. What are we up to? Like 300 podcasts? I don't know. It's a lot. Julie's better at it than we are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, her... Her episode was really good. I think that that's the first time some of my friends, our friends um, and family friends, listened to her on a podcast and were like, uh, oh. Yeah, like my wife literally like came home and was just like, I listened to Julie's episode. She's amazing. <laughs> like, she's so good. I'm like, yeah, I know. Me and Kurt are consistently blown away by how much better she is than we are. <laughs> yes, with people, anytime someone has said to me, you're a natural, I'm like, you're lying. With her, I'm like, you're natural, 100%. You're just paying attention to me now after I've been doing this crap for several years. Yeah, that's how I feel. (laughs) Oh, and by the time this episode publishes, we will be past a million downloads. Oh, all right. Hooray. Thanks to Julie. Took four years to get there, but here we are, a million downloads. All right, that's all I got. All right, bye. Kurt out. A quick listener note for the Shopify partners working in the Shopify ecosystem alongside us. Paul and I will be attending Shopify Unite this year. We attend every year, recording interviews with you fine folks so that we can analyze what are the important, impactful bits coming out of Unite for the next 12 months in the Shopify space. And the day after, Friday, June 21st, we will be attending Debrief, hosted by my friend Kier Whitaker. It is the essential post-Unite gathering. I'll be there speaking on a panel. Tickets are only $35. The event is over half sold out. So if you're going to grab a ticket, do it now debriefevent.com. That's debriefevent.com. And I hope to see you there. One final note before we go. I wanted to remind you about the one Shopify theme my agency has used more than any other. It's called Turbo by Out of the Sandbox. And as its name implies, it's built for speed. But that's not why I love it. I love it because it's the most configurable feature pack theme for Shopify today. Features like predictive search, easy mega menus, infinite scrolling collections, and a ton of page templates. Calling it a theme doesn't do it justice. I think of it as a rapid prototyping tool for Shopify stores. And I've got a special offer for you. You can get it today at a 20% discount when you use the code PODCAST20. You can even try it for up to two weeks, and if you don't love it, Out of the Sandbox will give you a full refund. To check it out now, go to ethercycle.com turbo and use code PODCAST20 at checkout. That's ethercycle.com turbo. If you'd like to help us spread the joy of entrepreneurship, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, the unofficial ShopifyPodcast.com, and wherever you get your podcasts. If you're listening on a smartphone, tap or swipe over the cover art of this podcast. You'll find some episode notes, including some details you might have missed. You'll also find offers from our sponsors. Please support our show by supporting them, and thank you. The unofficial Shopify podcast was recorded and hosted by me, Kurt Elster, and produced by my business partner, Paul Rita, for our Shopify partner agency, EtherCycle. 
Check us out at EtherCycle.com. The unofficial Shopify podcast is distributed by EtherCycle LLC. We'll be back next week with more value bombs for Shopify store owners. If you're looking for more high quality and actionable advice on learning the business of e-commerce, join thousands of other Shopify store owners on our totally free newsletter at eCommerce Bootcamp. That's eCommerce-Bootcamp.com.